0: Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, Major Jr. Hey, Connor McDavid of the Erie Otters. Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds. I'm Jonathan Yerwido from the St. John's Sea i And Braden Holper for the Saskatoon Blades. Gabriel Landescog. I'm playing for the Kitchen Rangers. Hi, this is Sean Katrille from the Drummondville Voltageur. Carter Hart of the Everett Silvertips. This is Taylor Hall of the Windsor Spitfires. Nathan McKinnon from the Halifax Mooseheads. NCAA. Hey, this is Jack Eichel. I play at Boston University. It's Alex Sturkoff. Hey, it's Kale McCarve. Hey, this is Jack Drury. Hey, it's Kyle Connor. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Denver University Pioneers. It's Morgan Baron from Cornell University. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hello, this is uh, Jerry York, the coach at Boston College.
1: The World Juniors. My name is Andres Fischko from
0: uh, Team Russia. Hey, it's Joel Ferebee from Team USA. It's Norris Sider from Germany. I'm Philip Roberg of the Team Sweden. It's Elliot Hall-Lennon. Hey, it's Nikola Ehlers. It's Matt Sogard. Hi, it's Timo Meyer. Hi, this is Jordan Eberle of Team Canada. The NHL Draft. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Hi, it's Gruden from the Sudbury Wolves. Connor Zary from the Kamloops Blazers. I'm Alexander Holz. I'm Lucas Freeman Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit. Dylan Hollis from the Wisconsin Badgers. Hey, it's Jake Sanderson. I play for Team USA. Brandon Schneider, skating Dooley. Here's Mark Rossi. I'm from the other Senators. And more. Excellent!
1: This is The Pipeline Show. Good weekend, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Pipeline Show. My name is Guy Flaming, and I appreciate everybody that is stopping by this weekend and or whenever you're getting your uh, copy of The Pipeline Show from. I, I'm kind of curious about that. It comes out on a Friday or a Saturday, Saturday, this weekend. But when do people actually listen to an episode? Maybe you wait until Monday or Tuesday. Maybe you're one who uh, listens to it right away, which is great. Some of the uh, conversations I have aren't really time sensitive, like the draft spotlights and, and things like that. So if you listen to it five days after an episode comes out, might not be that big of a deal. The first segment, probably, with the news and notes, it won't be as newsy. But I'm curious when people start listening to the uh, the newest episode of The Pipeline Show, when it uh, arrives in your however you're subscribing to the show or wherever you're downloading it from, whether it's iTunes or Spotify or SoundCloud or the pod bean or wherever you get your uh, copy of the of the pipeline show from and i hope that wherever that that is you're able to leave a rating or a comment or both uh, because what you say will encourage others to give the show a try it's all about the algorithms and things like that so if you like what the pipeline show is all about and you think other listeners would also appreciate it uh, then please spread the word only a couple of guests on this week's uh, show is interesting this is it's we're almost officially into the off season. There's, uh, you know, the USHL wrapping up here in the next two weeks. It'll be done. And the Q playoffs are almost finished as well. We're almost to the off season, which it seems like some of the leagues just started not that long ago. But we're there. And a lot of, uh, you know, I've been reaching out to a lot of players trying to get them uh, on the show. Quite often I'm hearing, you know, what we're going to give the players uh, a break and uh, let them relax. Uh, So I hope that's not going to be a, you know, from now until July type of thing. But it was a little difficult to uh, secure some of the guests that I had uh, targeted this week. So I only have two coming up on the show today. They'll all join me uh, via the Troubled Monk hotline, which if you haven't had a chance to try Troubled Monk uh, craft beverages yet, I highly recommend it. They are located in Red Deer, Alberta. There is a tap room right there. Lots of uh, promotional material on site and some uh, beers on tap that you can't get anywhere except at the tap room. But the good news is if you live in Alberta and you happen to be between St. Albert and Calgary, you can get same-day free home delivery as long as you're using promo code PIPELINE when you uh, place that order online at troubledmonk.com shop. And speaking of which, I uh, just checked out the website. They have a brand new one again. This one uh, must have been inspired by uh, the PIPELINE show or, or from me uh, specifically as it's called punchable face have not had a chance to try this one out the description is there's something about the face we all find very punchable maybe the jawline looks like a target or the stupid grin like it could eat a knuckle sandwich or a twinkle in those eyes says we would look better black and blue but we don't want you to get into a fist fight give them this beer instead and share a drink with a very punchable face That's available now at Troubled Monk, along with uh, some of my favorites, including the Juicy Gossip and the Daycation Lager, and I love the Taster Pack because inside of that you get the Open Road American Brown Ale and the Pesky Pig, the Golden Gates Golden Ale, and the Bucktooth Belgian White. So much variety available uh, with Troubled Monk because it's not just beer. Uh, They have the Epitaph Gin line. There's a Berry Blossom. There's the Epitaph Blue Gin. And, of course, the adequate vodka and the Saskatoon liqueur as well. Lots to pick from. I suggest you check it out as soon as you can. And make sure you use promo code PIPELINE when you order it so that you can get same-day free home delivery. That's at Troubled Monk. I'll tell you who the guests are in a minute, but let's get to the CHL news and the NCAA notes. We'll start with the WHL as it is now wrapped up and in the books. And uh, the final standings, the Edmonton Oil Kings, the top team in the dub this year, with a record of 20 wins, two losses, and one overtime loss, 41 points. And if you went by winning percentage, they'd still be number number one. With an 891 winning percentage, next, we'll go by winning percentage. That would be the Everett Silvertips, followed by the Kamloops Blazers. All three of those teams, Edmonton, Everett, and Kamloops, all above 800. The Brandon Wheat Kings, just short of that mark. They're fourth, the Winnipeg Ice are fifth, and the Saskatoon Blades are sixth. And I would suggest those six teams were, if there was a regular playoff this year, I would suggest uh, the the WHL champ would be one of those six teams. To me, those were the six contenders. It dropped off a little bit after that. Kelowna had a better year than I expected they would. They were the uh, seventh best uh, record this year in the WHL, but a significant gap between they and Kamloops in the BC division. Same thing with Medicine Hat in the Central. Pretty big drop-off there from uh, the Oil Kings. The top scorer in the WHL is Peyton Krebs with 43 points. Ben McCartney from the Brandon Weekings. Surprise, surprise. I don't think anybody would have predicted that. 37 points. He is the uh, second leading scorer in the WHL. And Cole Fonstad and Gage Consalves with uh, 34 points each for Everett. Justin Sertif also 34 points. Jake Neighbors, Connor McLennan with 33 and Tristan Nelson of the Vancouver Giants, along with Ridley Gregg and Kyle Krinkovic of the Saskatoon Blades, all with 32. That's your top 10 in scoring. Interestingly, I looked at the uh, points per game because obviously a lot of players left to go play in the uh, World U18s, and there were also some uh, players who didn't get to play the full 2024 games uh, because of injury. So I just pulled up the points per game standings, uh, who led the WHL in points per game this year? Dylan Gunther, 24 points in 12 games. Connor Bedard, what a year! 28 points in 15 games. He was second in a points per game scoring. Then you have Peyton Krebs with a 1.79 points per game. Jake Neighbors is next with 1.74. Logan Stankoven here's a good example. Only played six games but had 10 points. Connor Zeri of the Kamloops Blazers only got into 15 games this year but had 24 points, 160 points per game. Other guys uh, that uh, fall into that category, uh, Tristan Robbins of the Saskatoon Blades, 1.44 points per game. He had 23 points in 16 games. So whether it was by choice or uh, opportunity or injury, uh, some players who didn't play the full season of an already abbreviated season uh, did look very good in uh, the small sample size that they had this year, uh, some of those guys. Let's shift gears to the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League where the playoffs continue. We're almost down to the final four teams. and By the time you're hearing this, that will probably be decided as uh, Victoriaville and the BB Armada, their series is going the distance. It's the best of five, and they, as I'm speaking with you right now, it's uh, tied 2-2, but the fifth and final game uh, goes today. So by the time I'm speaking with you uh, and you're listening to this, that one's probably going to be settled. The Armada won Game One. The Tigre won Games Two and Three, and the Armada winning Game Four. And they've all been close. Uh, three of the four games have been decided by a single goal. But three teams are through, and all of them swept. Charlottetown swept Bathurst three nothing. Valdor swept Ramouski, and Shakudami swept aside the Quebec Remparts. So it will be Valdor against Shakutami. Charlottetown just waiting to see who they will play, and I think most people expect it will be a Valdor charlottetown final. They were the top two teams this year in the queue, although keep in mind there was a lot of, you know, the six maritime teams just played each other. They never saw any of the teams from Quebec and vice versa, uh, so that will be an interesting final if that were to happen. Uh, the OHL also making news this week by announcing the start of the next season. This is the uh, league that didn't get to play at all this year, and so much still shut down in Ontario. Not really interesting to me that they would announce the start date. I thought they would just move forward as if it's going to happen, but uh, you know, I'm a little bit surprised that they would actually announce dates. Thursday, October 7th is uh, targeted as opening night, and they have April 3rd set as the... Uh, final game of the regular season. Training camp set to open on September 4th. That is uh, four months from now. Little less. I know when that was announced, I did get a message from somebody who said, did the OHL not learn anything about uh, setting dates during a pandemic? Maybe you just want to be uh, a little bit flexible and announce it when it's for sure. But we'll see. Optimism reigns and um, I'm sure uh, this probably has a lot to do with sponsorship and uh, things like that. Uh, but, hey, let's knock on wood that, that we're all back to normal uh, by this fall, not just the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, I mentioned the USHL. The Clark Cup Finals are underway. Fargo with a 3 nothing victory in Game 1. Game 2 goes tonight. Games 3 and 4, 4 if necessary, uh, are next weekend in Fargo. And if there is a fifth game necessary, it will be on May 25th uh, back in Chicago. They are starting in Chicago. 3 uh, nothing. Fargo taking game one of that series. And how about some NCAA news, as uh, Maine has found their new head coach, that is Ben Barr, who was on the bench for UMass when they uh, won their national championship last month. Uh, Sadly, Alabama Huntsville has suspended their operations for this coming season. They are looking to get funding in place. They're also searching for a way to continue without having a conference to play in as uh, the WCHA now evolving to the renewed or the renewal of the CCHA, but they won't be included in that. Neither will the two Alaska schools. But as uh, College Hockey News is reported, Alabama Huntsville has suspended operation for this coming season. And in that story, it's mentioned that Alaska Anchorage is trying to raise funds to continue its program. Fairbanks is going to play uh, moving forward as an independent. So right now you're going to have... Uh, independence in uh, Long Island, Arizona state, Alaska Fairbanks, and if uh, Huntsville comes back for the 2022-23 season, that would be four independent teams plus new program Lindenwood has announced uh, that they're at least planning on uh, officially announcing later this summer that they want to join uh, Division 1 for the 2022 and 23 season. So there'll be a few teams without a conference as independents, maybe all the independents form a conference themselves. I don't know how that will all work, but uh, lots happening in college hockey as well. Hey, the Pipeline Show is powered by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's the best beef jerky in Alberta, but it's not just beef jerky. Spotted it on their website. Wilhock also makes homestyle garlic, ham, and breakfast sausage, as well as extra lean ground beef, extra lean hamburger patties, Plus Smokies and pepperoni products. And it's all made with the same loving care and and superior ingredients as their famous beef jerky. And their beef jerky is fantastic. Two locations in Alberta. One in Leduc. One in Spruce Grove. And that is the only place you can get Wilhawk Beef Jerky. Can't get it at your local 7-Eleven. But if you're in Western Canada and you can't get to Spruce Grove, hey, maybe you're in Manitoba, you're in BC, you're on Vancouver Island. You can get it shipped to you. Just contact Wilhawk Beef Jerky. Their website is wilhauk Jerky.com and get in contact with Trent or Trevor and enjoy some delicious Wilhawk Beef Jerky. The two guests that you're going to hear from today on the Troubled Monk Hotline, we're going to start with the voice of the WHL's top team this year, the Edmonton Oil Kings. That would be Andrew Peard. We'll go through what the team looked like, what the uh, season was like for the Central Division Club. Some notable draft-eligible players, some guys who are draft-eligible who might be under the radar a little bit. Uh, So lots to talk about with Andrew. And then we will end it with a 2021 draft spotlight, as I was able to track down one player, and he is involved in the USHL Clark Cup Final. His name is Matthew Coronado. He is a uh, high-scoring forward with the Chicago Steel. So a couple of guests solid guess be a slightly shorter show than uh, than usual but we will kick it off next with andrew peard voice of the edmonton oil kings here on the pipeline show powered by wilhock beef jerky
2: i'm trey fix of
0: the edmonton oil kings
1: at his own blue line now fix cutting in right circle dances around his man to his backhand
2: forehead he scores uh-huh. oh my goodness trey fix What a move, what a shot, what a goal. Oh, mama. And this is the Pipeline Show.
1: The Troubled Month Brew of the Week is the one that started it all. Tell us more about this classic, bud. Golden Gates, Golden Ale, an easy-drinking Golden Ale
2: that you can use as your gateway to craft beer. This beer highlights the best malt in the world, grown right here in our backyard. Player comparable, Nathan McKinnon. Underrated, yet awesome, every time out.
1: Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Yes! That's awesome! Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show, and let's begin this week's episode with an In the Dub segment for our friends at dubnetwork.ca. You can subscribe to get your daily dose of the dub right to your inbox. You don't even have to search for it. Now that the WHL uh, season is completely done for all four divisions, we can kind of look back and recap. We already talked about the, the East Division a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but let's look at what happened in the uh, Central Division for the WHL, the five teams in Alberta. And to help me go is the uh, voice of the Edmonton Oil Kings. That's Andrew Peard. Welcome back to the program. Peard, how are you?
2: Doing well, Gee. Thanks for having me on. As always, appreciate it.
1: I, I'm glad that I was able to track you down. Uh, how busy are you right now? Now that things have wrapped up, I know you, you are working with the Oil Kings now. Um, so do you have, uh, you know, when the season ends – in previous years, okay, you're done. Now, now, Do does the work continue for you? Yeah,
2: it's, it's definitely uh, much lesser of a load now that the the season has been finished. But, you know, there's still a lot of things to, to get done throughout the, the course of the summer. Obviously, with Dylan Gunther and Sebastian Kosa labeled as some top-end prospects ahead of the NHL draft, there's still a lot of requests coming in for, for those two guys to, to for, for interviews and, and whatnot. So just trying to line stuff up like that, doing some uh season review stuff team awards um and, and obviously of course um you know it's it's not going to be long now until we're into lottery season for the WHL and announcements and you know where teams are going to be drafting for for the import draft and the WHL draft whenever the heck that's going to be i think we're still sort of uh, up in the air on that but uh, yeah still lots to be done but certainly uh the the workload has lessened since uh the season ended on May 6th for the Oil Kings
1: i think for the the bannum draft the last i would heard was December didn't they I announced that a yeah. while ago, but I'm not sure how they're going to divvy up like who picks where, unless you just go with the overall standings. But I don't know if that's been 100% determined yet either.
2: Yeah, what I what I think it's going to be, I mean, obviously, I, I do think right now they do have it earmarked for December. Um, that's assuming we're able to get back to having minor hockey come sometime in the fall, which no kidding. Uh, you know, knock on wood that that we're going to be able to do that. But yeah, in terms of how they're going to figure out the draft picks, I'm assuming it's going to be based off the standings and and a win percentage uh, scenario coming out of that because obviously teams playing different amounts of games throughout the course of this condensed season, um, you, you can't really just take just simply points and, and put that into perspective. But um, I, I think there'll be some sort of formula done through through points percentage and, and determine who's going to be picking one through 22 when we, we do finally have a draft.
1: Well, and if that's the way they go, whether it's points or winning percentage, the Oil Kings will be picking last, uh, first overall in the WHL (laughs) this year. 23 games played, a record of 22-1 and overtime loss in there as well. And I think we kind of expected the Oil Kings would be pretty good this year. The division, uh, just from my perspective, very much the outside looking in this year, as I wasn't able to attend any of the games in person. But it seemed like it was the Oil Kings. Medicine Hat was okay. Calgary, Lethbridge, and, and Red Deer really struggled. Is is that fair?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, heading into this year, the Edmonton Oil Kings, they're a team that was built to, to try and win a Memorial Cup in, in 2021. Obviously, that was taking away from them that opportunity. But you look across the division, the Messinat Tigers, a very game opponent for the Edmonton Oil Kings this year. Edmonton did go 6-0 against them. But um, you look at the rest of the teams, the other three teams in the division, all sort of in different areas. I don't want to say of a rebuild because I don't know that the Calgary Hitmen ever do a full teardown and rebuild outside from the year when they they ended up drafting Sean Chagall very early on in a WHL draft. And that's going to be a real good pick by the looks of it. He really found his game this year. But Mm -hmm. the Lethbridge Hurricanes, you look at what they lost from last year with no Dylan Cousins, no Kalen Addison, and and no Oliver Ocular coming back. They were obviously going to be a team that that was in a bit of a a different phase uh, that they were from last year. But uh, still you, you know as any team led by Brent Kissio, they're going to be competitive and they were this year um, they, they just uh, on some nights didn't quite have the horses to keep up with the Edmonton Oil Kings although they did uh, win a thrilling one here at the downtown community arena just over a month ago uh, in a 6-5 shootout it was 80s night at the DCA on that night it was a real fun game and then um, the Red Deer Rebels I think this was sort of year 1b uh, of what is sort of a full retooling for the team they they didn't uh, they didn't weren't able to bring back a guy like Christopher set off this year due to Europeans not being allowed to come over and into Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a bit of a, uh, a setback there for them, but I, I do think you saw Ben King really start to find his way as a red deer rebel late in this year. He's going to be a big piece for them moving forward into next year. Uh, I think some questions around the goaltending heading into next year, Byron fancy and Ethan Anders, Anders obviously moving on, but chase coward, he, he finally got an opportunity he hung around, lived at the rink all oh, damn year long and yeah they got an opportunity late and uh, ends up winning a couple starts one against the edmonton oil kings in which he was very good in that game uh got them to overtime in their final game of the year against the calgary hitman so it looks like they might have something there um and, and then yeah i mean the medicine Hat tigers you have to remember as well they were a team that did not have cole sillinger for the entire season yep. um and that would have been a real big piece for their top six and i think that would have been something that really helped them keep up with the Oil Kings for a little bit longer at the very least in the Central Division this
1: year. Yeah, Mad Sogard too. Another import that mm-hmm. not able to come back uh, and play this year. All right, well, let's look closer at the Oil Kings and uh, this obviously a team that is the depth of this club is is fantastic right now and will be again next year. I know that every team it loses three guys at least uh, from one uh, year to the next, but this team again, I mean, we mentioned it they were they were contenders last year. They would have been contenders for Memorial Cup this year. I don't see this team going away anytime soon. Uh, There's a lot of top talent on this club. Uh, Jake Neighbors ends the season as the team's leading scorer with 33 points, but only played 19 games, didn't play the last few. Uh, What can you tell us about that and the year that he had?
2: Yeah, I mean, for, for the year that Jake had, it was consistency. 19 games, 33 points, and at least one point in all 19 games he played in uh, setting a, a new franchise record for longest point streak. Although I don't know how I, I was talking about this with Jake after the year. I don't know if it counts if you miss a game because of injury, if the the streak still continues, but uh, mm-hmm. for the purposes of this, uh, it's a franchise record for Jake neighbors and a, a 19 game point streak. And just, yeah, unbelievably consistent. And, and just speaking to Kurt Hill about his year, he's a pro. He was a pro at 16. The, the maturity that he brought uh, a couple of years ago as a rookie in the WHL was was something to behold and he's only gotten more and more mature and he just brings that workmanlike attitude into each and every game he's able to drag teammates along as well and you know you're going to get an honest effort from him each and every night and that's what the oil Kings got from him this year as for missing the last three games uh, of the season it was an injury he got I uh, uh, took a hit from behind in Calgary sort of one of those you know late turn sort of you know completely unintentional hits from behind but uh, ended up uh, suffering a bit of a lower body injury, nothing too serious, but I, I think just for precautionary measures, just shut him down for the rest of the year. The team had already locked up the the Central Division crown at that point, so uh, nothing major with with Jake, but um, it, it just impressive, impressive to watch him each and every night. He's he's sort of that um, a player of a bygone era, that that hard nosed uh, power forward type of player. Although he is only about six foot six foot one, uh, doesn't uh, tower over anybody, but uh, he's able to to use his his, his great frame for for leverage, uh, get in on pucks, win puck battles, and then when time calls for it, he's got skill. I mean, man, 24 assists this year. Uh, he's able to find guys all across the ice, all over the offensive zone, uh, and then when the pucks on his stick come in tight, he he rarely misses. So um, he's just uh, it's just been amazing to watch him continue to grow his game over these last three years. And like the rest of the team, he came into this year very businesslike. And he achieved uh, a lot of things uh, for the Edmonton Oil Kings this year.
1: Then you got Josh Williams, who is next with 30 points, and he's been passed over in the draft. But with how wonky this, the 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 uh, schedule has been, not just in the WHL but across all leagues uh, where prospects are playing, who knows what happens at the draft this year? There might be guys taken sixth, seventh round. Uh, like a guy like Josh Williams, just because of uh, how uh, the limited viewings on a lot of players, and a guy like this that stands out as well as he did this year, maybe this is the year for him. Yeah, and I
2: I, I look at a guy like Cole Reinhardt last year. You know, he was a 19 year old uh, passed over a couple times in the NHL draft, ends up having a real good 19 year old season, and, and ends up being drafted. I think by the, by the Ottawa Senators. And I wonder if if Josh Williams can be a guy like that because I think what maybe hampered Josh for his first couple go rounds at the nhl draft was uh was he consistent enough and gee, you saw it i saw it there was times where for a 10 game segment the guy looked unstoppable he'd be finding the back of the net in in seven of 10 games eight of 10 games but then there would be four or five games where you wouldn't see much of josh williams and um you know i i think that was a fair criticism of him but this year for 22 games that he dressed and he scored 17 goals. He was all over the ice in games that he wasn't scoring. I think this is the biggest thing for him. He was still accomplishing a lot on the ice uh, in, in terms of, of winning puck battles in terms of playing just sound defensive hockey as well. He was very noticeable uh, each and every time he was on the ice and it was just another real good step for Josh uh, in his game and in his development. And yeah, you just wonder, I mean, the OHL didn't get to play this year uh, a lot of, junior a leagues across uh canada were unable to to get going or if they were able to get going it was a lot of stop and starts and, and not a lot of consistency and mm-hmm. uh what the whl had uh across all four divisions was a consistent you know 22 to 24 game schedule depending on uh what team you were or i guess in, in the uh Corona rockets case i think was they end up playing 16 or 18 games yeah. but anyways I, I i do think that's something that that will help josh williams just consistently being able to be viewed over this eight weeks uh, of a WHL season and seeing that he was able to be uh, a difference maker for this Edmonton team over each and every single game he played in. And, and yeah, it was it was really fun to watch him play. His shot, he's always had a good shot, but for some reason this year it just seemed to, to look a little bit heavier Seem to get it off a little bit quicker uh, and just more and more dangerous was Josh Williams this year for the Oil Kings.
1: Andrew Peard is the, the voice of the Edmonton Oil Kings, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. All right, well, the two guys who are going to be very early draft picks in the 2021 draft uh, are Dylan Gunther and uh, Sebastian Kosa. You mentioned them uh, briefly earlier on. Uh, your sense on Dylan Gunther and just maybe for, for people who haven't had a chance to watch him play, how do you talk about him when when others ask you, you know, what does this kid show you and and how compare him this year to last year? I mean, the last year he was a standout on this team uh, and he took that to a completely another level this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're almost running out of adjectives for, for Dylan Gunther because I remember we were talking about it midway through last year when he was really starting to find his game because remember, like he got off of that slow start, he was playing on the fourth line and then. He went to the under-17s, which sometimes that even further hampers a a young player uh, in the Western Hockey League as they go from playing against guys 18, 19, 20 to playing a couple of weeks against guys their own age, and then they have to readjust to to playing that bigger, stronger, faster game when they get back. But for whatever reason, he came back from that and was just lights out the rest of the year. And yeah, it was was like January when uh, January and February, he had that, you know, uh, I think it was uh, a four-point period or five-point period against the Winnipeg Ice, and we were just, it was unbelievable to watch a 16 year old take over a game uh, against the team that was as good as Winnipeg was last year. And you just sort of marveled at, at the way that he was able to, to, to find seemingly multiple years of development, all in the span of about three or four months, he was getting a, a little bit bigger, a little bit faster, a little bit stronger as the year was going on. And, and he was just able to adjust his body throughout the course uh, of that year and, and become a dominant player. And then this year, I mean, he's a guy that used the the 11-month break uh, to his benefit. Uh, Again, a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. Um, He's always thought the game well. He's got that mature style game where he he does think the game probably at a a higher level than most players in the Western Hockey League. And, you know, the the best comparable that that I've heard for for Dylan Gunther throughout this year It's something the coaching staff uses. uh, And for people who watch the NHL, you think of a guy like Kyle Connor with the, the Winnipeg Jets, just sneaky. Everything's sneaky about his game. Uh, the way he's able to to steal pucks inside the defensive zone and and create puck possession for his team, his speed. Like you think of Dylan Gunther, and does the first thing that comes to your mind, gee, that he's blazing fast? Probably not. No. But then you see him catch a puck in open ice through the neutral zone, and he's got a half a step all already uh, hmm. on a defenseman, and he's burned past them from the hash marks in, and he's alone on the goaltender because he's just sneaky fast. And then that shot of his, it gets off his stick so quickly, he fools goaltenders with it. Uh, whether it's uh, the, the patented wrist shot, snapshot, or now he's he's really honed in his skill being in that uh, left-wing, off-wing circle on the power play, getting that one-timer away. The Alex Ovechkin spot, if you want to call it that. Uh, he was the trigger man on the Oil Kings power play for the 12 games he did play this year. Scored 12 goals. Uh, a number of them set up from that left-wing circle. Uh, he doesn't miss very often from there. And uh, it's just it's just been so impressive to watch how he's been able to come in and just, you know, he's a quiet kid, quietly goes about his business but he's dominant each and every single night. And um, it's just, uh, it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up going in the NHL draft. I mean, you got to think for sure he's going to be selected within the, the top five.
1: The natural born scorer, uh, and they don't come around that often. So yeah, uh, top 10 for sure. And uh, top five uh, quite reasonable in my estimation as well. Now, Sebastian Cosa, I've been driving this bus for a long time since last year. Uh, this is a first round pick in my opinion. And I, I starting to see more and more of those independent rankings that come out also feeling that way. Uh and he just again took his game to a whole new level this year. Some people would say, look at who he was playing and they weren't you know, the rest of the division wasn't up to par uh with the Oil Kings this year, but part of that is because of how good Kosa is, isn't it? And what do you uh, what do you see from Kosa?
2: Oh well he's supposed to do, let the other team score to make it interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he, he dominated. So you can say whatever you want about um, the, the rest of the division. Uh, I do think some people are selling the rest of the division short this year. I, and I think maybe selling the Oil Kings a bit short um, with just how good they were this year. But Sebastian Kosa was every bit a part of why the Edmonton Oil Kings won 20 of their 23 games this year. Um, crazily enough coming into this year or coming out of last year at six foot five and a half, he got bigger somehow, (laughs) uh, six foot, six and a half now to to finish this year might be six foot seven, uh, in the time we're talking right now. Um, and I think for him, I mean, we saw it last year. I mean, he's, he's, he's got that size. He's got the athleticism of a Olympic gymnast, which makes no sense in that six foot six and a half frame of his. Uh, so that right there is, is huge for him. And, And that's obviously, uh, one of his key strengths, but I think what made him so dominant this year, as opposed to what we saw last year, was his mental game has has developed a, a little bit further, and that was something just speaking with Sebastian that he really focused on during the eleven months off in in his conversations with Oil Kings goaltending coach Curtis Muka was was making sure that his mental game was dialed in, and and, and you saw it last year. It was it was rare that he had an off night, but there would be a game every, you know, one or three or three or four starts for him. And, and maybe there would be a bad goal that got in on him. Yeah. Those were completely eliminated this year. There was very rarely a time where a goal got past him. I mean, he only gave up 30 in 19 starts this year. And, and of those 30, maybe one or two, you would say, boy, I, I think he really would, would have wanted to have that back. He was able to eliminate that. He just yeah. uh, approached every game like a pro. He was so mentally dialed in for each and every game. Um, and, and so engaged. I mean, his puck handling as well is, has, you know, taken to another level, which is, I, I think almost every young goaltender, it's a, a skill they're trying to develop right now. Uh, he's gotten really good at that as well. And, um, yeah, I, I think that's been the, the biggest thing for Sebastian is, uh, the way he approaches and prepares for games. Um, it, it's far more consistent than it was from a year ago. And that's all part of the development to, of a young goaltender. Um, and, and yeah, like you mentioned, I, I think without question, he's got to be a first round pick. Uh, in this year's NHL draft, if you're an NHL team sitting there that that is questioning your your own internal uh, goaltender depth chart uh, prospect wise, and, and you got a guy like Sebastian Costa sitting there, um, I, I'm not saying he's a, he's a for sure thing because there's no such thing when it comes to goaltenders being sure things in the NHL. But he's as close as you're going to come to it when you just look at all the attributes that he does have.
1: Absolutely, Andrew Peart is my guest. Uh, all right, other Oil Kings for the draft this year. Do you see anybody else getting drafted? There are two. On, in my mind, that I think could be taken. Uh, but I want to hear from you before I tell you who I think.
2: <laughs> well, I think they're going to be the same guys. Um, the, the one that jumps off the page right away is, is maybe the best story from the Oil Kings this year, Jalen Leipon. Of
1: course. Um,
2: a, a guy that was passed over in last year's NHL draft. I mean, really, for his first two years with the Oil Kings, playing on such a deep team, he was, he was a fourth-line player, an energy guy, Use him on the penalty kill, but probably plays 10 to 11 minutes every night. But this year um, he just forced his way into the, the, the top six of this team, whether it was playing wing or, or playing center. Um, and you could just tell it's another guy. The 11 month break certainly benef benefited him because he, he worked on his strength. He was, Uh, a little bit more powerful in his skating a little bit quicker uh, and his shot i mean man i i we we always kind of talked about you just never saw it enough right gee last year like like i think he's got a pretty good shot every time he scores a goal it's it's on a pretty nice shot but now he had the opportunity to to really showcase it this year and he didn't miss very often man 16 goals in, in 23 games he was electric for the oil kings this year and he was still that sort of energizer buddy uh, bunny for the team um, you know he was a big part of this team trying to facilitate and, and create an atmosphere in these empty arenas this year he was loud Um he was he was cheering guys on from the bench and he had just a, a real breakout year and he's a guy that he's been kicking doors down since he was 15 years old mm-hmm. you know it wasn't supposed to be here at 16 as a ninth round bantam pick but he ends up forcing his way into the lineup on a real deep oil king team and finally given the opportunity to move up the lineup and uh, with that opportunity, he did not miss this year, and and he was exceptional. So I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it goes back to what we're talking about with Josh Williams, with NHL scouts not being able to see uh, a certain number of players this year that might be labeled for for the NHL draft. Maybe he's a guy that sneaks in as a as a late round pick, and I wouldn't be surprised to see his name called. And I think the other guy that we both have tab would be Carson Latimer. Um, he, he's he's going to be the Oil Kings rookie of the year this year. Twenty two games, sixteen points. Man, oh man, I could just watch him skate laps around the rink every day. It's it's as smooth a stride as you're going to see. Uh, he gets around the ice so well. He's able to win puck battles and, and puck races because of that speed. And he just got better and better as this year went on. And you, you remember last year, um, his first game, his first shift, he scores a goal at the call-up for the Oil Kings and then doesn't score for the the other five games he got into or the other mm-hmm. four games he got into. But um, he had scoring chances in each of those games. It was hitting posts or, or getting robbed by opposing goaltenders he always seemed to accomplish something in each and every game that he played and he did that uh, again this year and um you know you, you hope that he's able to find himself on some draft list uh, ahead of july 23rd
1: and 24th yeah that's another guy that uh, on the on the on my to get list as well here for the pipeline show before the uh, before the draft rolls around the other guy i was actually thinking of was, was logan dahaniak because oh, okay see i felt the same way about ethan cap who i still think should be a guy that the uh, team should be uh offering a pro deal to uh, now that uh, his career is done. Um, but uh, Dohaniak to me is just, he, he's so physical. He's not a big guy, but he's added goals this year. I don't know where that came from in his game, but what do you have, 19 points, something like that. Uh, is this? Am I crazy? Is this not a guy that, uh, that shows that he can, I think he can carve out a pro career. Maybe a late round pick. Yeah, no, I don't think you're wrong. I
2: actually thought maybe he'd sneak into last year's draft. I know he didn't have those eye-popping numbers last year, which is, you know, I think it was 12 points and 60 some odd games that he played. Uh, but you mentioned it, just the, the way that he, he plays a calm style of game. Um, uh, but he can jump up and he can be physical and you don't, you just don't see that enough, right? He's just one of those guys. He's like a unicorn, right? Like, uh, they're so hard to find and here he is and, and you know, I, I thought his game really developed this year. You mentioned it, 19 points in 23 games. He's always had a good shot. I think it was just a, a matter of that thing Brad Lauer doesn't like to talk about, confidence <laughs> in, in using that shot from the blue line. This year, he had that confidence and was using that shot. I mean, granted, 19 points this year. Six of them did come in a single game against the uh, the Red Gear Rebels. But I think that just speaks to how dialed in uh, he was this year. He was given more of an opportunity. Because you have to remember, it, it goes back to the Jalen Lyphon thing. Here's Logan Dow Haniac. Uh, a former second-round pick of the Edmonton Oil Kings, but he's entering a team that's extremely deep on the back end because, yeah. you mentioned it, you had a Matthew Robertson, you had an Ethan Cap, you had a Wyatt McLeod last year, uh, you had a Connor McDonald for, for points last year, so there just wasn't a ton of opportunity for Logan Dow but then you enter this year and you can call him either the the, the second-best defenseman on the team or, or third-best defenseman on the team, whoever you want to take between him and Ethan Cap. obviously both of them in behind Matthew Robertson, but it was a breakout year for, for Logan, and yeah, you mentioned it, 19 points in 23 games, that's nothing to sneeze at, and certainly wouldn't be surprised if he's getting some some draft consideration as well.
1: He might not score a point as a pro. I, that's not why I like him. I, I think he's a good defensive no. defenseman, and the physical play, he's tough and he's mean. He's not. He's just not 6'3", and 215 pounds doing it, but maybe there's uh you know, he's still going to fill out, although at 5, well, he's just under 6 feet tall, but at 200 pounds, or if he's playing at 210, nothing wrong with that. I, I don't know. To me, that's he's worth a seventh-round pick, uh, in my opinion. If uh, if he doesn't get drafted this year, I don't know. To me, that's uh, that's a miss for somebody. Uh, lastly, before we go, now we know who the team is losing for next year, and that'd be the uh, the overage guys: uh, Kate Oliver, uh, Captain Scott Atkinson, and Ethan Cap, who we mentioned, but and Matthew Robertson as a signed player probably not back. Does this team lose anybody else, do you think?
2: Uh, you know what? I, I, I don't think that they do, really, I know. Um, in, in terms – like I mean, it's it's, it's going to be – I mean, Jake Neighbors, he's going to have an opportunity, I'm sure, with the St. Louis Blues. And you never count Jake Neighbors out. I've, I've come to learn that. He's going to go down to that training camp. And um, he, he's, he makes good first impressions. He makes an even better second impression. So um, you, you do hope that he comes back. With Dylan Gunther, he's going to be a high draft pick. But I, I just – I, I don't know, I, I can't speak to what goes on in the uh, the inner circles of, of NHL teams, management staff and coaching staff and scouting staff, but you would think, I mean, Dylan played 12 games in the WHL this year, he played 7 games at the World Under-18 Championships, is that enough to play in the NHL come next year? I, I don't know that it is, so I don't know why you wouldn't send him back. And of course, Sebastian Kosa, as good as he was in the WHL this year and as much as uh, he kind of made a, a mockery of, of the, the 19 starts he had this year with just how uh, easy he made it look. At 19 years old, he's not going to be in the NHL. So you should get all three of those guys back. And, and then you mix in, you know, Josh Williams, Jalen Lipin, Carter Such, Liam Keeler. Um, you go up and down Carson Latimer. It's it's going to be another deep team come next year. And, um, you know, Kurt Hill will certainly be looking Um, So long as he's given the green light that it's going to be something more of a a regular season come next year and there's going to be a postseason and there's going to be a Memorial Cup, you know that uh, he's going to go all in with this roster, uh, knowing that it's this team's, uh, I don't want to say last kick at the can with this group, but at the very least, having not got the opportunity to compete in the playoffs these last couple of years you know he's certainly going to be all in trying to make sure that this team is as competitive as they possibly can come next season.
1: Absolutely agree. Andrew, I appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. Uh, enjoy the offseason. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, you
2: as well. And uh, I look forward to our future car trips uh, down to uh, Red Deer in the uh, next coming couple of seasons.
1: I'm just hoping this offseason isn't nearly as long as last year's. No. We, uh,
2: there's no way it can be, right?
1: Please tell me not. I hope. I hope. Thanks, Ben. Always a pleasure. Andrew Peer to the Edmonton Oil Kings, the uh, man behind the mic there, and uh, what a season for the Oil Kings! Twenty four games you win, or, excuse me, twenty three games you win twenty of them. Uh, that's uh, that's obviously a pretty strong season, and they did it half of it without Dylan Gunther, uh, Sebastian Kosa. What a year for him! I mentioned Lo- Logan Dahaniac and you know what? Maybe he doesn't get drafted, but I think there's a chance this is a guy. Maybe he doesn't get drafted, but by the end of his WHL career, he's getting. Uh, consideration for pro contracts. I just think he's a guy that I would want on my team. You know, and maybe there's still some defensive uh, uh, work that he has to do to become more of a well-rounded player, but add a little offense. Again, I mentioned it during the interview. I don't, he's, that's not the part of his game that attractive to me. I like the physical play from him. He's mean. He just, he's a bit of a throwback player. I think of guys like Jason Smith, you know, uh, Oiler fans in the uh, early to mid-2000s will remember the captain of the Oilers back then, mean guy, tough guy to play against. Kevin Lowe when he was a player, same sort of thing. I think Logan Dahanek is cut from that sort of cloth. And a few other guys, Jaden Leipin, I've mentioned it, I I think I tweeted about it earlier this year, probably about 10, 12 games into the season. 17-year-old Jalen Leipin last year reminded me of 17-year-old Brandon Hagel, not the biggest guy in the world Plenty of skill, lots of grit and uh, tenacity and, you know, get under the opponent's skin a little bit as well. Uh, 18-year-old Jalen Lipin still reminds me of 18-year-old Brandon Hagel. And you've seen what Hagel has done this year in the NHL with the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. That's a guy, it'll be a shame if somebody doesn't draft him. Just based on the season that he's had, big jump ahead in his offensive production. That effort is still there. And off the ice, he's a character guy. Lots of charity work already, and he's still only 18 years old. It's a guy I'd want in my organization, so i uh, look for Jalen Lipen as well to get drafted, and I will definitely get him on the program uh, before the draft rolls around. Uh, speaking of the draft, going to be at least one 2021 draft spotlight this week here on the Pipeline Show, having a little difficulty um, confirming a few of the uh, potential guests that I've invited in that time of year now that it's the off season, Guys are taking breaks and things, uh, but my next guest will join me right after this break and you will get to know uh, from the Chicago Steel high scoring forward Matthew Coronado. Let's get to know him when we come back. You're listening to the Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Smirnov breaks across, turns it over to Allison here he comes, one on one, Allison de shoots, scores! He undressed the defender at the right slot, he went backhander, turned to the forehand and wristed it under Wishow!
0: Hey, I'm Wade Allison from the Tri-City Storm, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. She's the girl
1: my she's the girl my She's playing me for a fool, cause she's the
2: Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand
0: scores! Wow, what a goal! Joe
2: Pavelski. Goal! And Johnny we were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey.
1: Champions of the college hockey world!
2: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I think I'm getting the black lung pop.
1: Hey, we're back on the Pipeline Show, and we'll continue on with uh, this week's episode with a 2021 Draft Spotlight segment. We'll get to know another player that's eligible for the upcoming draft. And uh, my guest this week, uh, lots to talk about, as uh, his team, one of the very few in uh, the prospect world right now that is still playing, uh, the final in the USHL gets going this weekend as uh, the Chicago Steel will be taking on the Fargo Force. And uh, my next guest, a... uh, high scoring forward with the chicago steel his name's matthew coronado matt welcome to the pipeline show how are you i'm good thanks for having me uh, it's uh, great to get a chance to speak with you right now exciting times i, I imagine uh, both your club and the fargo force are chomping at the bit to get at each other but uh, when whenever you can get to the final it's got to be exciting
0: yeah it's really exciting uh it's been a great year for our group um we're really grateful we were able to get so many games in uh with with the year that that it's been, mm-hmm. uh, so we're definitely just grateful and really excited to get out of here on Friday.
1: I wonder if, to some degree, is there it almost feel like unfinished business with the way things ended last year. I mean, you were the top team in the league last year, and I think everybody expected, yeah, you'd be at least into the final, and if not the uh, the eventual Clark Cup champs. But uh, to get there again, it almost seems like uh, it was almost owed to you from last year.
0: Yeah, I think it feels like that for a lot of guys uh, that were here last year. Uh, that are back again, um, so we definitely have that on our mind. But we also are aware that uh, this is a new team and and it's a unique team uh, for this year. So uh, we're gonna take it take it as we can. Um, but but like you said, uh, definitely something that's on all of our minds after not not having the chance to play that out last year.
1: Yeah, you, you mentioned the, the turnover of players is in the USHL. I think more so than most junior leagues. Uh, it, the roster changes uh, so drastically from one year to the next guy's leaving to go play college uh, maybe some guys coming back from college for some teams uh this year's club uh, in chicago uh, obviously another offensive juggernaut as uh, that seems to be the modus operandi for the the steel here in the last few years but how is this year's club different than last year's
0: um yeah we got a lot of returning guys we actually had some guys uh come back due to their college season not not being played but um, like you said, our GM Ryan Hardy does a great job in bring in bringing in a lot of talent every year. Um, the staff does a great job developing players and, and um I think our team's in a spot right now where um after a full year of development under here under um the staff and for some guys two years, some guys even more than that. Um mm-hmm. I think we're in we're in a really good spot um to go into this series and, and feel really confident in our play.
1: You had a really strong season last year. You're first in the the USHL, 18 goals, 40 points in 45 games. That's a great year. Yeah, you've got 85 points in 51 games this year. That's a massive jump forward in offensive production. That can't just be simply you're getting more ice time this year because you're an extra year in the league. I'm sure that has something to do with it, but what else has happened for you? Uh, This is a big jump forward.
0: Yeah, I think I've developed a lot. Um, Like I said before, staff here one of their main focuses is player development and they do a great job uh in that area i think um with that development comes a lot of confidence um playing just just playing for the steel um brings confidence but the way i've been able to learn the game and and learn different things while i've been here has has created a lot of confidence i know for myself and, and for a lot of other guys so i think that's a big part of uh of taking a step forward
1: the, the Steel always seem to have uh, the leading scorers in the league. Sean Farrell this year with 101 points a year, right there with 85. Josh Doan, another high scorer with 70. Eric Middendorf. The sheet I'm looking at lists three of you as left-wingers. So I don't know if, if that's incorrect or if you're you're all on different lines or if, if maybe positions don't matter a whole lot there. Uh, who who have your line mates been for most uh, most of the year?
0: Uh, they tend to change uh, quite a bit throughout the year. Uh, for these playoffs, I've been playing with Mackie Samuskevich and Eric Middendorf. Um, we've been playing together for a little bit here. Uh, we've definitely got some confidence as a line uh, throughout these playoffs. And and um, I, I believe we'll be together this weekend as well. So it's exciting for, for the three of us.
1: Well, for sure. And that obviously shows how uh, dangerous your club can be when you have, I mean, I mentioned yourself and Sean Farrell. Both of you guys have a ton of points, but you're not on the same line, so that that means the opposition can't just focus on trying to shut down the top line because the other top line is going to step up.
0: Yeah, uh, we got a ton of depth here, um, which is definitely a key factor in yeah. uh, why why we've been successful. And um, like you kind of said, we have we have really all four lines have been really production really productive for us this year, so it, it's it's definitely tough to contain.
1: Matt Coronado is my guest. He's a forward with the Chicago Steel as they get set for the start of the Clark Cup final in the USHL this weekend against Fargo. Uh, Matt, what we like to do in this part of the show is introduce somebody, or my audience gets to know somebody that's uh, draft eligible this year, and there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans. They don't watch junior hockey all that much, so might not know anything about the USHL, let alone know who you are. So for the benefit of those people who don't watch the league, uh, let's get a little background in, if you don't mind. Uh,
0: where are you from? I'm from Huntington, New York. It's it's on Long Island, about uh, 45 minutes from New York City. Awesome. Uh, how old were
1: were you when you first started playing? Do you remember?
0: Yeah, I started playing when I was five years old. Um, been a big hockey fan ever since I was little. Um, went to a ton of New York Islander games with uh, my dad. Um, so that's kind of kind of where I grew up uh, and, and found the love for the game.
1: Well, I'm thinking in the uh, the early, what around 2008 stuff like that when you start going to games. Uh, were the Islanders any good back then? I don't recall them being all that great.
0: No, they that was that was a tough patch for them. Uh, they Had a, a a good amount of time there where they they didn't have uh, a winning season, I believe, but they started to pick it up uh, into the teens a little bit.
1: Hmm. John Tavares, I, I would have to think, is a, a guy that you. Uh, took a liking too
0: yes definitely one of my favorite players for sure growing up
1: Now, was it heartbreaking when he uh when he left
0: um a little bit i think um i understand yeah. obviously uh yeah. his side of it but the islanders uh have a lot of great young players right now coming through so yeah it's uh <laughs> it's an exciting time for them uh all right well
1: let's uh, look back at the rest of your uh, your hockey career it looks like you've just uh, looking at your, um, uh, you know, the stats lines from each season. There's a year in New Jersey. There's a year in Long Island. Uh, where is Salisbury School?
0: It's in Connecticut.
1: All right. So you've moved around a lot here over the last four or five years. On one hand, I have to think that's probably exciting. On the other hand, that's got to be hard. I mean, you're that's some of those years you were a young guy.
0: Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, my dad sacrificed a lot of his time uh, driving me. Cross bridges and, and kind of all over the place to get to practice for, for a couple of years when I was younger. Um, when I went to Salisbury, I was a junior in high school, so I was a little bit older, and uh, it's a boarding school, so I was able to live there uh. Uh, for that year before I came out to Chicago, but definitely a lot of moving around, a lot of driving uh, for a lot of years when I was younger. How'd you get connected with the Steel? I was drafted by the Steel. um I think in 2018, yeah, uh, the my phase one draft, um, that was really the first time I I connected with them and was able to come out for for their main camp that summer and um I was affiliate that first year and was able to come out and practice for a week and and uh see how things were and and I really loved it and I was able to to get the opportunity to join the team that following year.
1: Was the USHL a league you knew much about growing up on Long Island? I mean, it's geographically, it's not really close.
0: Yeah, I'm. I was aware of the league. I mean, um, I think for for a lot of players from my area, college hockey um, is a route that most guys want to take, and playing in the USHL is definitely a good path um, for a lot of players who want to do so. So it was definitely something I was aware of.
1: No question. And I know you're going to Harvard. Uh did want to ask you about the, uh, the OHL. I know the Barry Colts had drafted you. I, th- I think it was the Barry Colts uh, really late in that same year, that 2018 year. I think they're just basically, well, maybe he'll change his mind and he'll he'll come north. But uh, was, was playing in the OHL ever uh, a serious consideration for you? Or have you always been uh, set on going the college route?
0: Uh, I think I've always been set. On going the college route, um, academics are, are an important thing for for me and my family. So, uh, definitely getting an education and and a Harvard education um, is one I'd, I'd be really grateful to have. And having the ability to play hockey at, at a school like that as well is is something that that's really special to me. Uh,
1: that's that's uh, obviously it's a well known academic uh, um, institution can't get in unless you're you're strong in your uh, in your academics uh, any particular subjects that you uh, really ac- excel at
0: um i I think math might been my favorite subject kind of throughout uh grade school um i enjoyed i enjoy it I'm not quite sure what I'm gonna major in right uh, exactly at school but um I'm hoping it'll it'll have something to do with math.
1: All right. And I assume you're going, uh, the plan is to go uh, for next fall, this coming fall, I mean? Yeah. Uh, over the course of this season, uh, Matt, has the draft been on your mind much? Uh, I, I asked that question of all the players I get on the show, and, and most of them say they, they try not to think about it because it, it could be somewhat of a distraction. But there are players who tell me they actively seek out all the rankings and see where they're uh, pegged in because they use that as a motivator. You know, if a guy expects to be a first-rounder and he's, in the second round for somebody then that motivates them to to try harder and, and practice more uh what about for you
0: yeah i think it's definitely um really exciting to, to see that stuff and and it's hard not to um hear about it but uh for me i think my main focus all year has, has kind of been just to keep improving and developing my game and and kind of uh play out this season and, and try to win a Clark Cup and once that's taken care of I think um, that's when I'll, I'll begin to pay more attention to that but for right now and the next couple of weeks it's just uh, continuing to do what I can to help the team win and and that stuff will, will kind of take care of itself
1: Well for, for fans who are listening to this and, and they might download this after the draft and so they'll be you know coming back in time to hear this interview uh, for the benefit of, uh, of fans who haven't had a chance to watch you play can you give us a bit of a, a self-scouting report? What would they notice or what should they expect to see uh, from uh, from you, Matt, when you're on the ice? You know, what's How, how do you see the game? How do you play the game?
0: Uh, I think for, for me, um, I'm a two-way forward. Um, I think I, I pay a, lot, a good a good amount of attention um, in the defensive zone. It's definitely an important part of my game, but I think something that, that sticks out for me is my speed. Um, I think I'm able to create a lot of opportunities. Uh, in the offensive zone, using my speed on line rush. Uh, I think I'm um, I'm competitive. I I win my puck battles and uh, my compete level is definitely something that's that's been really important for my my success this year.
1: Well, 48 goals this year, 37 assists. Do you see yourself more as a shooter or as a setup guy?
0: Um, I think I definitely uh, provide both. Both, I think playmaking is a big part of my game but I think uh this year um the role I've had with the team I've I have been kind of uh more of a, a shoot first guy
1: are you a guy who sets like statistical goals at the start of the season for you and maybe this year you didn't because just about how weird and unpredictable a year it was but if uh you know if somebody had said you could get 48 almost 50 goals I imagine that was killing you that you were that close to 50 and just fell short but um, you got to be pretty happy with 48, no? <laughs> yeah, definitely. 50 would have
0: been nice, though, eh? Yeah, it was it was close, but yeah,
1: um, you know,
0: it's we'll take take the 48.
1: When you look back at the season, you're like, man, how many put times did I hit the post this year? You know, just two of those go in, I hit 50.
0: Yeah, I was I was suspended for two games too in in the <laughs> middle of the season, so definitely looking back on that would would have liked to not have that um
1: uh, tell me what was it about harvard that made that the right uh, the right school for you other than the academic side but was there something about the hockey program that uh, that uh, was an attraction
0: yeah coach donato is a, a great coach he runs the program there and coach Marcou and coach Tor- coach tortorella as well they're they're all great guys and great hockey minds so um i think when i when i decided on harvard coach donato uh, was a big part of that. Um, I know the the history he's had in and moving guys through his program and developing them and the success he's had there. Um, mm-hmm. I think it it was def- he was definitely uh, a huge part of that decision.
1: Well, Matt, I really appreciate your time. I enjoyed this a lot. Uh, good luck starting this weekend here in the uh, the final of the USHL uh, playoffs in the Clark Cup. Uh, and uh, hopefully one day we'll uh, we'll get a chance to chat again.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Matthew Coronado from the Chicago Steel in that conversation. That was uh, midweek. They uh, the Steel and the Fargo Force met on Friday night, and it was uh, Fargo coming away with a three nothing shutout victory in uh, Game One. Game Two uh, probably about to start uh, as I'm uh, speaking with you right now. I know in the queue the uh, fifth game between Victoriaville and the B.B. Armada is uh, underway, and as I was just looking, it's 2 nothing for Victoriaville. The winner advances uh, to the four-team final. Uh, but if there's one thing you know about the Chicago Steel and how mighty that team is, so much offense, they're not going to go down without a fight, that's for sure. I would expect a big pushback from the Steel in Game 2. Uh, just the two guests this week, which means it's uh, cleanup time. A reminder, if you haven't uh, purchased a bidet yet, uh, I'm not sure what you're waiting for. It is uh, one of the best purchases our household has made so as I've come to say, stop wiping, start washing. It's uh, much better for you, it's much better for the environment, way better for the environment, uh, much less uh, toilet paper consumption. And it's, there's a reason bidets are so popular around the world. And for some reason, it's maybe it's catching on, finally, here in North America. But uh, you go to hellotushy.com pipeline, and you can get a bidet at an extra 10% off just by including uh, that pipeline in the URL. And I promise you, you won't regret it. Next week on the Pipeline Show, I'm hoping to have uh, a full slate of guests, up to three or four guests, uh, ideally. And uh, this time of year, it's going to be a lot of uh, players as we get closer and closer to the NHL draft, as long as they're made available. And that's been a bit of a challenge here this week. Uh, I have been reaching out to agents as some teams. Um, I mean, they. once the season ends, a lot of the teams kind of shut down, uh, and especially during a global pandemic where uh, a lot of the Uh, Media contacts of previous, a lot of them were uh, furloughed and things, so uh, everybody is kind of, uh, it's skeleton crew in a lot of places, Um, but the uh, player agents and advisors uh, still obviously looking to get some exposure for their players, Uh, so I've been uh, reaching out to a bunch of them. I I will be surprised if I don't have a full slate of guests uh, this coming week. Thanks to the patrons at patreon.com slash the Pipeline Show. I really, really appreciate your support. For a couple of bucks a month, you can have early access uh, to all the interviews that you hear on the Pipeline Show. You'll get them. Usually, you'll get those three or four days even before a, a full episode comes out publicly on uh, iTunes and Spotify, etc., etc. Uh, those individual interviews, can I do the interview, then I edit the interview down and uh, add you know, the the start and the ending. Put the music bed and the welcome back from the commercial break and all that stuff uh, and that gets put up on the patreon page usually about an hour or so after the interview is complete and that could be three four days before an episode comes out uh, depending on how uh, the week unfolds uh, but for a couple of bucks a month you don't have to wait you can uh, jump the queue and listen to those interviews early i i also quite often most often uh, give uh, the audience A heads up on uh, the upcoming guests so that if they want to submit questions for those guests, they have that ability. Those are just some of the perks available to patrons at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. And again, wherever you're getting your copy of the pipeline show from, if you have a chance and are able to leave a rating, you know, uh, three or four or five stars if you want, uh, and or a comment, uh, I'd really appreciate that only takes a second uh, but it does a lot of good when it's you're trying to get the word out uh, on what uh, a show is all about what you say about the show could be the difference between somebody trying the program for the first time or not and with that i'm done enjoy the weekend everybody i look forward to chatting with you again next week here on the pipeline show fueled by wilhock beef jerky until then i'm gee flaming see ya